Movie Sucktastic is a podcast about bad movies and the people that love them. But it's more than just a podcast. It's an, also an online presence. If you want to know more about Movie Sucktastic or want to become a part of Movie Sucktastic, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter, at Movie Sucktastic. You can find our blog at boothreviews.blogspot.com. Or if you want to give your own reviews that we might use on the show, you can go to reviews.moviesucktastic.com and check out our, our own little lunch.com community for Movie Sucktastic. Check us out and become a part of the show because the only thing more fun than a bad movie is sharing it. There are eight million stories in the big city. People say I have a bird's eye view. Perched up here night after night, looking right down into the heart of the beast. Yes, stop comes with me. Will you get in the car? Yes, it's story time. This is Johnny LaGuardia. It's that kind of night and that kind of feeling. Uh, Pamela, this is uh, Dr. Huber of the Columbia Presbyterian, professor of neuropsychology. He's attending this very privileged afternoon here with us. I was in the Pammy and Nikki, they've had it with being looked after. From now on, they're going to run the show for themselves and find themselves some dreams. All right, breathe, Malone. Brain your blows out. What are you laughing at? You said brain your blows out. <laughs> <laughs> Out on the street and out of the night, they have a message for the city. And they're going to be heard on Times Square. I don't see why we need to be famous. You know a lot of things. I only know one thing, and it is that they're going to see who I am. Apathy, banality, boredom, television. But a new iconoclast has come to save us. It's the Sleaze Sisters. It's Nikki and Pamela. Go to it, girls. Get out of here! This is my place! You all need visiting! Out! This is Nikki Murata, famous murderer and entertainer. I'm throwing a concert tonight at Times Square to celebrate my escape from mental illness. Don't miss it. It's coming together. Pammy and Nikki found each other and themselves on the streets of New York. Now, the whole city is going to share their exhilaration. The venue will be Times Square. You're listening to Movie Sucktastic.
dude. Whoa, dude, dude, no. Oh, oh hello. Hello, hello, hello. Hello! It's been a long motherfucking time. It feels like it's been ages. It's been ages, motherfucker. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Welcome back, everybody, to a new episode of Movie Sucktastic. It's the suckiest am... episode ever. I wouldn't say that. No, 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 no. Episodes. I'm just uh, I am Scott. <laughs> and this is your co-host, and... Joey. Yes. Yes, we sound tired. <laughs> we've only oh, had a, we've had a month off, and it's just like I'm just I'm just uh, waiting for you to jump in, sir. I'm, yeah. I'm giving you, I'm stepping back and giving you an opportunity to step in. Really? Why is that? <laughs> oh, not no, uh, nothing. No, nothing. No, no reason at all. Okay. No reason at all. Oh. Except maybe except maybe show notes that we had compared earlier in the day. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> I was getting to it. I really was. Uh, I'm sure you were. So, Scott, uh, have yes. you seen that new Star Wars trailer? No, Joey, I haven't. <laughs> you know why I haven't? Why not? Because I don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Look at that. Hey, at least oh, 17 man. people posting, you've got to see the new Star Wars trailer. I really don't. Let me guess. Let me guess. It takes place in the, in the galaxy far far away uh-huh. and it's all new people and they're probably in their late 20s early 30s and they're probably hot <laughs> you know and it's i'm in- guessing it's interesting you say stuff like this because the new ben stiller comedy is out where him or it's coming out i think it's coming out this friday i, I him, think i saw the trailer for this yeah, him him and his his wife they're they're like in their 40s but they meet these 20 something people Mm-hmm. And they're trying. Yeah. Basically, the whole movie they're trying to keep up with them. They're trying to be hip and cool. And I can. I already know how this movie plays out, beginning to end. Okay, beginning to end. Start of the film is them. They're really trying to keep up, and they're they're trying to be cool. And the twenty somethings actually like them, and they just want to keep the ball rolling. And then somewhere around midway or halfway. Or midway or halfway, it's the same fucking thing. Uh, midway to maybe three quarters of the way, almost near the end, there's like this role reversal where they come out and say, we can't do this, man. We're too old. We're trying, but we can't do it. And then the 20-somethings are like, you think this is easy? We can't keep up with this. So we just want to be like I you, just, man. And I guarantee you, that's the whole fucking movie. Credits roll. I disagree. I, disagree. I think at the end, Ben Stiller and his wife... Uh, become so desperate to try to keep up and stay young that they kill the couple and try to absorb their youthful essence through their blood. Now I'd see that movie. So I, I would too. That's why. That's but why I that's not it. how that movie goes. It's exactly how I said it. Hopefully, that's how Star Wars ends. I'll see <laughs> now I did watch the trailer. Uh huh. All right, I did watch the trailer, and I have to be honest. Very underwhelming. I it just did not blow me away. Uh, Thank even, you. E- even the Harrison Thank Ford, the Han Solo cameo at the end did absolutely nothing for me. Nothing. I will still see this movie. I will still see this movie. Uh, the The problem, uh, the problem, I won't see it in the theater. I guarantee you, I won't. You know, but I will see it, and I'll probably end up liking it. 
Because after the garbage that Lucas put out in the last three films, these there's they, they it can only get better. Well, and it's J.J. Abrams, I, and I like him. I will see it because of J.J. Abrams. He has not made a film I hated. He's made a couple right. films I didn't care for particularly, like the uh, Super Eight. That I Super Eight. I went into a, that like really just. I really wanted to love it. I loved the trailer. I thought there was just something. Just something about it. Maybe it took me back to my own youth. I think I mentioned that on the show when it was coming out, mm-hmm. and it just another. It just didn't do anything for me. I, I just, think that didn't. was the. I think that was the overwhelming anticipation, and maybe even the intention was that this nostalgia was going to propel you through the film, right. and it it didn't. It didn't, and it really it can't. You know, at least not on purpose. You can't evoke that kind of strong sentimental nostalgia over a time period. Uh, and it's especially hard to do it when when you're you're doing it with today's budget and you know direction and it's, it's it, no that's not yeah, I mean this is probably two two hundred fifty million dollar movie yeah um, I mean homages are great I um uh, these are horror film examples but Tremors was a great homage to a different time period yeah, yeah. Uh, Slither was an excellent homage to oh, a different yeah. time. Even Dust Till Dawn on some levels uh, was a nice homage to a past era that had been, been left behind. I mean, they even did a couple of specific homages, uh, one to Carpenter, which actually got ended up on the cutting room floor. But, I mean, yeah, definitely, mm-hmm. from Dust Till Dawn. That was definitely yeah, one of them, so. sure. Mm-hmm. But, uh, uh, so, no, I, I don't give a fuck. I really don't. I'm, tired. <laughs> I, I'm already tired of hearing about it, and it just came out today. Yeah, I just expect so. to hear about it even more, because... Oh, I do. And I should probably put that on the website as the trailer of the week. Just get some yes, you should. traffic. We should, re- we should review the trailer. <laughs> That's part of my my bit that I've been wanting to do for years. The, oh, let's do it. One let's of the, start with w- this. One of, the bits, one of the bits that I came up with that we actually never ended up doing, not because of any one of us not wanting to or just for whatever reason, uh, I had a bit called Two and a Half Minutes. And uh, that's essentially how long your average movie trailer is, two and a half minutes. And the whole point of the bit is that you watch the trailer, and at that moment, when you're done watching it, you figure out, is this movie going to suck, or is it going to be good? And I think, and the point is, I think nowadays, you can really tell a lot from a movie trailer. I was able to tell by the Snowpiercer trailer. (laughs) That wasn't um, a far stretch. So I, I think, I, and if you want to do it, we can do it. I mean, we already just, the ball's already rolling. Now, yeah, the whole good. point of this bit is for us to keep track so that when we finally do end up seeing the movie, both of us, we can bring it mm-hmm. up. We can have our I, you know, little I, spreadsheet I we, or whatever. I say we tackle that in the, in the very, very near future, like the next week. Okay. Do you, we'll set aside some time. But right. at the moment, <clears throat> we're going to set aside time for... The movie review for episode 170, which is the 1980s uh, gay musical Times Square. <laughs> gay musical, really? Well, there, there's a bit, there's a bit, a little bit about that I want to talk about. Oh, I'm sure there, I'm part sure of, there is. It's a very interesting part of the film, for uh, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, but uh, I think so, uh, you, and had a little bit of an effect on Robin Johnson's career. So had had very little. Um, well, yeah, this but, is kind of it for her. Well, not not her fault though. Hang on, but you 
are the ones that challenged me to Times Square, a film I had never seen. Sure so did. why don't you get the ball rolling with okay. introducing the film? Well, obviously it takes place in New York. It revolves around... No. no. It revolves around Times Square, which is actually the climax of the movie. But it's about these two uh, inner-city girls that... One is... Uh, she's the daughter of a politician... She obviously has everything just ready and waiting for her whole life. And she has this this rebellious part to her that, she, you know, she doesn't want any of that. She just kind of thinks something's wrong with her because they keep taking her to doctors. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Robin Johnson's character, Nikki, her name's Pammy, uh, Robin Johnson's character, Nikki, is the complete opposite. She keeps getting sent to these hospitals, and she's like, "What the fuck? I don't belong here. You're the problem." So they ended up they end up meeting in in a they, hospital, and then they then they get an apartment together, and then their wacky antics that they try to live side by. Wait, no, no, that sorry, that's that's um that's yeah. the odd couple. Go ahead, yeah, that's the Continue. odd couple. Uh, they <coughs> Nikki convinces Pammy to escape the uh, the hospital with her, and mm-hmm. the whole film is like it's this coming of age. You know, getting to know each other, um, very close friendship of, uh, and they end up, they live like practically under a bridge <laughs> in this, uh, I, I mean, I'd be surprised if they didn't have, uh, uh, you know, just something wrong with their, like asbestos poisoning or some shit like that, lead poisoning, uh, from living, yeah, from living where they were, which is right by the river. So, you know, the whole thing is fucking being destroyed by salt water and mildew. Then it's also falling apart. <laughs> uh, but they love it. They're happy. And the whole it, they go on this journey, the whole film, where uh, it just... Robin uh, uh, Johnson, uh, Nikki, is almost like her pimp <laughs> at one point in the film. Well, you well know? if I may... Yeah, if I may jump in. Yeah, this is one of those things where uh, um, that one film with Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder kept jumping into my head Wait, when she's in the uh, mental institution. Oh, uh, girl interrupted. Girl interrupted. That kept popping in my head. Uh, they're, they're, they're now, like you said, they're they're both end up at a mental, well, a, a hospital. It's where a they're hospital. Being, yeah. They're where being... they're being, but they're being tested for possible neurological or mental yeah. issues, which are never fully explained or described. Yeah. Uh, never labeled. So, and well, that, you know that, why? That comes up because the writer why? would have to be descriptive or actually no. know what they're writing. Well. I'll touch on that later. <laughs> well. I actually have a positive angle to that. Um, but so so part of this is not only a friendship, but they, they help get, draw each other out of their own insecurities, and they kind of empower each other. Uh, now, the, as you mentioned, Times Square is the central part of the film. It's where, it's where it all comes down at the end in the big climax. The backdrop for this young, uh, underage, teenage girl coming-of-age story is the seedy, slimy backdrop of Times Square during the late 70s, early 80s, which at that point in time was probably the most disgusting that part of the city has ever been. Yeah, it's pretty bad. Uh, the, the, the first time we meet Pammy, her father, who's a commissioner with the mayor's office, is giving a speech about uh, uh, gentrification of New York City. Uh, and this, that's something that Ed Koch actually did around the same time period. How am I uh, doing? Yeah, exactly. Uh, and, and, you know, 
anybody not familiar with it, you had uh, grind houses and uh, nude booths and strip clubs sure. and burlesque and any, you know, and this is back like when uh, stuff like Behind the Green Door and Deep Throat were like everyday people were coming out sure. to see these films. Celebrities, mainstream theaters were yeah. playing it. It was no so big deal. It's nothing like the fucking stick up this country's ass that we're going through right now. Well, well, we were even starting to go through it then uh, with this whole conservative movement, which we see by this character. Uh, I had my notes up in front of me, and I fucking deleted them. Uh, but the, what's what's the main character? Uh, uh, Nicky Murata? Oh, no, the, the father. Father. Yeah, I... played by Peter Cofield. I forget the name. Uh, David, I think it was. And he's giving a speech about, uh, oh, my daughter, which apparently he's making up because she's like muttering, it's not true. So we got this whole thing where the father's using her daughter. Uh, uh, yeah, David Peter. Pearl. Peter Caulfield. Peter, oh, Peter. Or Peter. His name is David Pearl, but Peter Caulfield David, is right, the actor. David Pearl. David Pearl. Peter Caulfield. Who, uh, by the way, Peter Caulfield, uh, before this, he was in a film called Cry Rape, which, if you pay close attention, movie posters for appear during the opening credits in the background. Oh, really? Yes, oh, I noticed that. I, what, uh, I, you know what? I thought I read that in a trivia, so, yeah. I did not see that trivia. I noticed it because I'm fucking sharp. Uh, <laughs> but, so he, he's and he's talking about how she wanted to see one flew over to Cuckoo's Nest, which is kind of a weird uh, allusion to the eventual escape from a hospital by his daughter. Mm -hmm. You know, nice little touch by the screenwriter. And he, he says, uh, do we want to live in an X-rated city? Now, my answer, of course, would be yes. <laughs> uh, but that was an actual problem at the time, and so you got these young girls living on the street in an, uh, an era of just just open seediness, perversion, uh, and it, it's disgusting. <laughs> uh, I'm not that concerned myself, uh, and, and I just found it funny, like like these opening scenes and later on where they're dancing around and when they're in the strip club. This is like the most well dressed, cleanest, nicest, seedy underbelly I've ever seen. Yeah, they they really clean up the seedy aspect of Times Square, even though they're trying to portray it as you know they got the the they have the black guys lighting up joints and they got the gir the, the girls walking around and they. You know, they got the hustlers, but everybody's, you know, well-dressed and they're nice and they're kept and, and there's nothing really. I mean, uh, I think I had a note here down here somewhere. Um, it's refreshing to see an 80s film about young teenage girl runaways that doesn't end with them being raped, murdered or becoming junkie whores, all of which <laughs> are more logical endings for two young girls living on the streets in Times Square, 1980. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, at one point, you mentioned Nikki as being kind of a pimp. She gets she gets Pam Pammy Pam to get a job Pammy. as a dancer in a strip club. Yeah, and when she when Pammy goes for the interview, um, she talks to the uh, the owner, and he says, "You're you're you're old enough. You're 18." And you know you know Nikki kind of vouches for her, and she's like, "Oh yeah yeah yeah." Meanwhile, she she's looks not. like she's 12. I mean, there's yeah. no mistaking it. There's no there's possible no. way ever. Um, and she's like, well, I'll dance, but I'm not going to do it topless. He's like, why not? <laughs> He's like, well, what the hell? Well, but she basically convinces him that she's going to dance in this seedy underground right. strip club, but fully clothed. I want to, I want to interject here. She doesn't convince him. She says, I will not dance topless. It's like, really? So I will not dance. He pauses. I like that. 
<laughs> I like that. We need more said of that. No, said no strip club owner ever. Yeah, he's the most honest so, strip club owner ever. So, so the strip club owner who is risking fines and or imprisonment by higher imprisonment by hiring an underage girl because he does not have documentation that she's uh, 18 years old. He's risking that for her and not even making her do what needs to be done to make money in a strip club, which is to strip. <laughs> yeah, right. Now, this is important for the film, though, because this is where she comes out of her shell because she's afraid to dance. And then she goes out there and she starts dancing and she, she gets into it and it becomes an empowering scene. And I agree fully. I think all underage teenage girls who suffer from self-esteem issues should be forced to dance at strip clubs. I think that is forced, it makes huh? perfect sense. Well, Nikki didn't really give her that much of a uh, an option. No, she, she didn't. didn't. She didn't punch her or, like, you know, strong arm her, but she pretty much said, you got to do this. So, yeah, I think, for, how about coerced? We should coerce. Is, is coercing a young underage girl to dance at a strip club any less uh, violating to you? Well, sure. <laughs> uh, you're, you're comfortable with coerced. Okay, we'll go with that then. I'm not going to argue. <laughs> Sometimes that's what you got to do. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, no, I'm, jo obvi little, I'm joking, obviously. Sometimes um, they need a little coercing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Deep Purple's Hush needs to be playing. <laughs> now, on the screen right now, and I don't remember the actor's name, but it's the mayor from the Ghostbusters, and it's just <laughs> so fucking weird to see him in anything else. I don't care if he's a veteran, if he's been in a hundred movies. If he's not in the Ghostbusters... It's weird. <laughs> I'm, I'm back making my notes as I'm watching the film, and like the sixth or seventh note was, holy shit, the mayor from Ghostbusters with a horrible comb-over. <laughs> An insanely, yeah. ins not, not just horrible, insanely horrible comb-over. It's almost as if he took a wig and just put it on sideways. Yeah. It's that He has so <laughs> much hair. It's just uh, all in the wrong spot. Well, you know what's, you know, not, well, here's not, the thing. Not, it, very, okay. Hey, Hold on, I gotta clarify. We're not talking like Donald Trump so much hair because it has grown long, folded over. It's thick, burly, strong, healthy hair, tons of it. It's not but even it's just gray. Not <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, the guy's older than me. I got more gray than him, but mm. I have fucking full head of hair. <laughs> uh, but no, you're right. It's just there's so much of it on his head, and the, here's the thing: you got to look at it this way. When somebody's losing their hair like that, they gotta look in the mirror and just look at their options. Cutting it short, bald, you know, just doing the, the horseshoe. None of that shit works for him. <laughs> Can you imagine him bald or with short hair? It just wouldn't work. So sometimes I, 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 I under well, because he's got less hair and yeah. he's not doing the, the extreme not, comb over. I'm not debating the, 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 the uh, I'm not debating the whole hair thing. Sir, uh, we, we will we agree have our hair no, 20 years from now. There is, I, 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 I'm sure we both agree there is no good rational explanation for a comb over at any point in time. Never. That's agreed. Never. Everything beyond that's debatable. Yes. Um, but yeah, he's in there. Yes, he is. He's in there. Tim Curry is in here. He plays Johnny LaGuardia, um, <laughs> who creepily 
later on in the film brings a bottle of whiskey <laughs> to no, hang out no, with a like no, a thirteen year old. Was it not whiskey? Vod- it was it vodka? vodka? It was vodka. You're right. I have vodka, and I made a note of that. I made a note of that right here. Where is it? Is uh, what flavor is that? What flavor is that vodka, Tim? Statutory grape. <laughs> It's like how is this? Yeah, yeah. how is this not like creepy how, predator stalking? How is thing? not not a bad move when he's thinking about doing it? How now, there, there is an explanation for how it's not a bad move, and I will get into that in my whole uh, thing okay. at the end of our discussion. Sure. I, I got a little thing I want to lay out for you and see if you agree with me. Okay. Uh, but but you know yeah it's totally yeah how, the, if this doesn't end with like screams then something's wrong. Yeah. Screams or at least bitter regret. <laughs> now, um, moving forward. Uh, well, we can't move backwards. We already started the show. Yeah, that's true. Moving forward, uh, Pammy and Nick, Nikki, when they do move out, they they become the Slee sisters. Okay, the Slee sisters. Uh, yeah. And With- essentially, their gimmick is dropping TVs off roofs, which well, kills no one, one coincidentally. Now, to be fair, Pammy shows concern about that, and they eventually stop because she says, we're lucky we haven't hurt anybody. So give them credit. Um, Nikki would have dropped a fucking 32-inch TV off a roof if she could. Apparently, they're, yeah. o- they're only getting, like, you know, 15-inch TVs. <laughs> you know, little now, shitty ones that are getting thrown away. It's, 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 and that's an interesting thing that happens in the film that I, I think uh, the screenwriter deserves a bit of credit for because... Uh, we're talking during the film. The whole backdrop is the uh, the the Times Square Renaissance, removing this uh, subculture from Times Square. This this uh, sexual uh, open element that these conservative types don't want. You know, they want we want a clean city for our children. Two things caused the ultimate demise of uh, the sleaze town of the 1970s and 80s in Times Square. One was Ed Koch and uh, the, the buying up of these old theaters and, and rebuilding them, tearing them down, opening up new ones, kind of getting rid of the element to begin with. The other thing that helped the natural demise of it was the video revolution with uh, video rentals. Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, VHS, uh, uh, video... and to a smaller extent, things like Laserdisc, but yeah, VHS was well, big. Well, for the most part, video, or to be more specific, video rental pornography, there was no longer a reason to have to go to a theater to watch uh, a pornographic film. That's so right. these, uh, so these, uh, you know, jerk off booths and uh, grind houses and loops, uh, they all kind of waned. People still went there, but fewer. Sure. And that was, and they did still really exist went... into the nineties. So, yeah. not not oh, yeah. not too much into the nineties, but, but a little bit. But they were no longer the draw they once were as the only source of that kind of outlet. And uh, <laughs> so, I'm sorry, did I say that wrong? You said it, you <laughs> and, said it uh, just right. Just right. <laughs> so, in, in a way, uh, them smashing these TVs, I mean, Tim Curry gives the voiceover about, ah, if you're bored with your life, it's supposed to be a, a, a knock at uh, conventional, uh, you know, household, boring, sit in front of the TV in the evenings kind of attitude. But at the same time, it's almost sort of a rebellion against one of the major components in the death of this subculture that these two girls had become ingrained in. So I, yeah. I found that very interesting. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I I remember New York City, like that sleazy, grimy, you know, for a short period of time. 
when I would go there by myself in the uh, mid-90s. So as I was going, that was kind of on the way out. But I do remember it. Uh, I'm fortunate enough to remember it. And there are still plenty of parts of New York City that, that are still complete and utter garbage. Um, there's no shortage of that. Most, most of it. Most of it? Yeah, I would say a lot of it. But I, 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 I hate the city. I, I don't. I, I know you do. I, I don't. I still like it. But that's me. Um, that's because you visited less than I did. Uh, I don't know if that's true. That's true. I don't think so. There, Dude, was, a, I, I, there was a I, whole year I didn't have a driver's license, and I was only going to New York City. Dude, probably three right. times a week. N- not not going to debate this. I worked <laughs> for a company. I delivered. I drove in the city almost on a daily basis for ten years, including like overnight deliveries and stuff. I, I have spent more time in the city than you. Not for pleasure, but I have spent more time in the city. I'm not proud of it. I'm not trying to win anything. I lose by that argument. Was there a point in the beginning of your career of that that you were driving in that you were like, this is cool. I I get to go into New York. Oh, sure. I I did the early jaunts where I went with friends to, you know, hang out in the city and do stuff. Yeah. You know, I I went to movies with you in the city. You know, yeah. We used to go to Kim's all the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I loved the city for the first three or four years. I, I took classes at the new school for social research, uh, the new school for social research, <laughs> right. and uh, I, yeah, I, I loved the city for a while, and then you know, uh, it's just eventually. I'm sure people, not everybody that lives in the city, loves the city either. You know. Okay, but that's just you know. Uh, now Tim Curry, you mentioned, yeah, he plays the, this kind of like uh, he's like a semi antagonist or secondary antagonist in the film. Uh, he's this DJ that Pammy writes letters to uh, talking about being a zombie, and eventually they figure out that she's the runaway daughter of the commissioner, so they play that up on the radio, and they get to the point where they're having them call in, and they have them come in and play, play songs, and this is weird aspect Which, of the movie. Which, by the way, where... is my favorite scene in the movie. Oh, I love that song. But I, I'd my, now, fa- but my I... absolute favorite scene in the movie is... When they're singing that song to her father, where <laughs> where it's like "spick nigger," and then the, the the black security guard comes in and he's like, "Motherfucker, what?" <laughs> yeah, he, like, he walks <laughs> behind him. Like, what is it? What that cracker girl just What say? the fuck? <laughs> My absolute favorite scene in the whole film is when he walks in and they're singing that song, and he's just like, "Well, motherfucker." <laughs> <laughs> <coughs> He now, is just. What did they just fucking say? <laughs> these two girls, just just to, and, and the whole idea is they're they're on the run. They're escaped. Right. All right. They 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 escape from a hospital. Steal an ambulance to escape from the hospital. Uh, Nikki is apparently wanted on manslaughter charges or something, yeah, which from didn't her, stop like, the stepsister, I believe, or sister. She, she, a, fr- a friend that like uh, OD'd and then she tried oh, that's to wash right. her. It, it, it was a friend. Yeah. Yeah, because yeah, you know, when somebody's ODing, you want to drag them into a river and try to you know soak them. Uh, but so she's wanted, and the the father is pushing the fact that she was kid, the daughter was kidnapped. So they've they've committed crimes. They're underage runaways, and Pammy's father is probably the most inefficient rich white politician ever. Ever, because not only do uh, the cops not like perform like a, a sweep not only is he not pulling in favors from the mayor but <laughs> everybody seems to know where these girls are at every point in the film and there's a one there's one point where he figures out where they are because he gets a tip and he goes there 
and then leaves. That's, no, that let me describe it differently because that's my favorite scene in the film. That's when the father <laughs> finds out his 13-year-old daughter, 13? 13. Is it 13 or 14? She's 13. The 13-year-old daughter, Because Nikki told, is, uh, she, she's supposed to be 16. After threatening to kill uh, Tim Curry, he's eventually told by his helper, who looks just like Max from the Muppet movie, by the way. <laughs> I he kept does. waiting him to warn He really fucking does. He does. He really... I, I actually had to look it up to make sure it wasn't him. Oh, I knew, I it, knew wasn't it wasn't him, him, but it was just like, I, holy shit, this guy looks just... I didn't... I, 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 I didn't know his I knew, real name. I, I looked it up I not knew, that long ago. Yeah, I knew it wasn't him. But I had to look it up anyway. That's how much he looks like, the character. And I kept waiting for him to warn Tim Curry that Doc Hopper was on the way. That's how bad it was. <laughs> uh, but Doc, you know, but Max tells the father, yeah, your daughter's working at the strip club down the block. So he goes there, and he sees her stripping on, or dancing on it. She's not naked, but she's dancing on the stage. His 13-year-old daughter's dancing on the stage at a night a day, nightclub lounge whatever the fuck you want to call it right and he sits and watches her uh now you can tell he's not enjoying it i'm not gonna get too creepy here but he doesn't run up on stage and drag her off he doesn't like you know he doesn't call the mayor and have this place shut down and have the guy the guy you know put in jail for having an underage girl working at a dance club he sits and watches her and then when she sees him and runs out to grab a cab he just watches her it's like and I get where the screenplay is going, the kind of like, you got to let it go at some point. So, yeah, 13's not it. <laughs> yeah, when she's like it's, 17, 18, you know, okay, at that point, you might say, she's got to live her own life. She's got to make her own mistakes. She's got to figure it out. Not, You're right, not 13. And I agree with that at 13, too. But with 13, it's like, yeah, let her go to her friend's house overnight. I can't be that protective. Not, well... Okay, she's dancing in a strip club, but she's not naked. No. No. <laughs> That's right. Even kid. if it's to the point of she likes that boy, they're probably going to hold hands, maybe even kiss, but that's about it. <laughs> yeah. Not not which which hotel you're staying at tonight, sweetie? No. No, yeah. it's not, you know, there, there's a line. Yeah, what, there's a line. What bridge? Uh oh, the South Bridge over on the east side. Okay, I got but, it. Thanks. That that's a point where <laughs> The, the screenplays need to create this kind of emotional understanding uh, or growth supersedes logic, reason, and reality. So well, I, I understand yeah. why it happens. Still don't agree with it. <laughs> oh, I, I thought I had a note about that, but I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, this guy, I mean, how come he did um, the, the father from Over the Top? Uh, the grandfather, not not not, not Stallone, but Robert Loja. Robert Loja. Is it Robert Loja? Yeah, yeah. I always get him and, and Ben Gazzara mixed up for some weird reason. What? Uh, no way. I, the names, the names, not the people. The names. The names. Yes. They, just Don't because they end in a fucking vowel, come on. Yes, yes, that's what it is. <laughs> all they, all Italians look alike too. Come on, you know that. Um, uh. I'm gonna tell you a funny story. <laughs> but, don't be a I mean, dick but, but, but Robert Loja like he seems like a more rational character I mean, if, Loja if more the, rational if, if Loja was the father in Times Square he would have had that daughter back in his house in 15 fucking minutes well yeah because he's like, Robert fucking Loja well even <laughs> oh wait hold on I'm a, I'm a rich white guy that works for the mayor of one of the biggest cities in, uh, like, the biggest city in the, I don't know if it's literally that big, but, you know, the most right. famous city in the world, in, in the country. 
says, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to sit on my ass and do nothing and whine to the cops and then whine to the doctors. Robert Lowe should be like, all right, who do I hire to find my fucking daughter and drag her back here and leave a wake of bodies in the meantime? Who do I how, – how, how is this guy not hiring – all right, you know, okay, you've never seen me, but I want her on my doorstep in two days. Done. <laughs> you know, but, Robert really? Loja. Tony! <laughs> you gotta bring in all the cocaine, Tony! <laughs> Don't kill me, Tony. Come on. <laughs> You're like a cockroach. <laughs> <laughs> Anyway. I don't know why I get the names mixed up. I just do. Leave me alone. Ben Gazzara. I mean... Stop. I Listen, I, just I, I hear about Ben Gazzara constantly from my father, okay? I don't need to hear Ben Gazzara come out of your mouth, too. What's wrong right? with Ben Gazzara? My father's favorite movie is probably Roadhouse because of fucking Ben Gazzara. See, and that's... He plays the same type of character as Robert <laughs> Loggia does in Over the Top. The rich, kind of, yeah, you know, yeah. boisterous it's sim- Italian it's similar. Hey, I own this town. I own this town. Same character. <laughs> yeah, when he's driving in the road and he's just weaving side to side, listening to yeah. fucking... It'd be hilarious if he was listening to Ben his own music, but he wasn't. But it'd be hilarious. You could be... take them. You could take them in their films, swap them, and nobody notice. That's I would how... notice. But you know what I'm saying? But the character, that they, that's what they do. You ever they have see, the same um, character. You ever see Robert Loge's orange juice commercial from like 15 years ago? No. Um, should, maybe. I don't. Should, we should post that on Movie Sucktastic. It's fucking hilarious. Let's do it. Find it. We'll do it. Well, um, it's like this little kid's drinking orange juice and or doesn't want to. And it's like, well, what's going to make you drink this orange juice? And obviously this commercial was catered to Robert Loja because he goes, I don't know, Robert Loja? And he comes in and he's like, kid, you drink that orange juice, it's good for you. Or some shit like that. And he starts <laughs> drinking and he goes, thank you, Robert Loja. <laughs> <laughs> uh, speaking, anyway. speaking of confusing characters, uh, is it just me or uh, does um, Robin Johnson, who plays Nikki in the film, does she not come across as a female version of, um, of Robbie Benson? Uh, With the voice, the voice, the voice specifically. Well, she's she's like sixteen, and she's already got ha- you know a pack a day voice. Um, yeah, but she's got the kind of Robert uh, that high pitched uh, Robbie Benson kind of yeah. Blah, 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 blah. Yeah, just it, it, I kept flashing back to Robbie Benson. It was kind of, but I'll tell you who she reminds me more of. Or actually, it's the other way around because Robin jo- Johnson, Jodie Foster. No, Robin Johnson is probably in her early 50s at this point. Um, she reminds me of the girl that was in Death Proof. The Italian girl in Death Proof, the one that gave the lap dance. The the one that... Oh, um, oh really? She looks a lot like her. They're both from the same part of New York. Wow. They talk very similar. They have the sa- similar kind of hair. Uh, I can't remember her name, but they look... Very much alike to me. They have the same, you know, like, you know, very voluptuous lips kind of uh, 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 situation there going on. Same kind of uh, smoky eyes, I would say. I don't see that at all. Do you are, um, Do you know the girl I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah, I do. I just don't see it. Um, are you sure? Now... We're talking Death Proof. Yes, I know. I've seen Death Proof. Okay. Um, lap Dance. Yeah, that's the character. 
Uh, now, <laughs> you mentioned how her career didn't go anywhere. Uh, yeah, uh, no, uh, not her character, her career. Her career, as I said. Yeah, you said character. Um, or I think I said. You At least said, I think I said. You, said, you said fucking now, she character. Was in two she was in two favorite films of mine. Oh, uh, uh, I know which that, ones. Uh, it was, oh, um, obviously. Now, there aren't many to choose from on her list. No, that's true. <laughs> uh, um, if you want to say them. Uh, the first one, 1983, it had Anthony... No. No? No, that's not... No. You're, you're already wrong. It's, wow, the, it's, you, it's, you, it's like one of the most famous films from... Okay, go. What are they? After Hours, my favorite Scorsese film. Oh, no, that's not one I was going to think uh, I was thinking of. The other and one... she's... What? What's the other one? The 1988 remake of DOA. Oh, that's right. I love With those the Dennis Quaid. she was in both of those. Yeah. Now, w one thing I read uh, going through some of this stuff was... Uh, the, now, the producer of the film, he, he fucked up a lot of shit in this movie. This film was supposed to be a lot different, but uh, as you know, uh, uh, Stig, uh, Robert Stigwood, who's the producer of... Uh, um, Jesus Christ Superstar, Tommy, uh, and then Saturday Night Fever, huge hit for him. Right. Uh, he was a music producer that got into Hollywood when his music uh, producing started waning. And so he started making all these musicals because he knew people from the music industry, go figure, and he was becoming a huge hit. He was trying to make this film into uh, a, a music cash cow. Uh, one of the big things he did was uh, he tried to get the director, who eventually was taken off the project because he refused, to remove half of the dialogue scenes and put in more montages so they could double the soundtrack and release a double album like they had for Saturday Night Fever. Huh. Number one, number one sen selling soundtrack ever made millions, if not billions, of dollars uh, off that soundtrack. He was trying to duplicate it with this, uh, instead. But instead of going for the disco, he was going for that the uh, the punk rock underground scene. I like the soundtrack to this movie too. Oh no. Yeah, for, actually, specifically for time, the opening song, which just oozes just New York. I mean, it's well, great. One of the big things that kept this film in the public eye because it did not do well. Uh, there all. are two things that kept this. Yeah, not at all. But there are two things that have kept this film on the radar. One was the soundtrack because some of the songs, uh, due to copyright laws, or due to copyright, uh, you know, whatever mishandling, the, this album was the only way way you could get a copy of the song. Okay. Uh, and then the other one was uh, the uh, gay counterculture, which I'm going to discuss briefly at the end of this at the end of our show. I don't want to get into it too much. Uh, he had all that kind of removed from the film that was planned. Okay. But another thing he did was he ruined <laughs> Robin been... Johnson's career because he said, "Hey, why don't you let me be your uh, manager?" <laughs> and the young Robbie Johnson's like, "Wow, this guy's big time producer, and he's a big time music producer. Yeah, you should be my manager." And Mr. Stigwood, who I'm assuming was just trying to latch onto another young up-and-comer to try to save his failing career, uh, which didn't help with his sequel to uh, Staying Alive. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And then Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, which kind of buried him. Uh, he did nothing with her, got her no jobs, did nothing for her career, and so her manager pretty much buried her at that point. Yeah, that sucks for her because she, uh -huh. she probably could have had a lot more work and probably you've done a lot more because uh, she was. I, I think she was actually pretty good in this. Oh, I thought she was great. I yeah. thought I thought she was very reminiscent of Jodie Foster from Taxi Driver. Yeah, uh, I thought she did just as good of a job as Jodie Foster might have done. Slightly different uh, characters, 
but still the same emotional intensity in certain scenes. I thought she was up to par with Jodie Foster in that context. Great actress. Uh, she should have done more. Uh, he'd fucked that. And also, uh, the director... Oh, uh-huh. whose name, I've, oh. whose name I'm drawing on. No, I haven't. Uh, uh, Alan Moyle. Director Alan Moyle. Is it Alan Moyle? I don't hear think. Alan Moyle. He, uh, after the whole it fiasco with uh, getting taken off the film because he wouldn't uh, yeah, uh, cut the scenes the way this guy wanted to, he, did, he didn't make another film for 10 years. No that's shit. how fed up he was with the. That's that's, that's how, you know, you know, fucked he was in the head as far as this industry goes. He was like, yeah, fuck this. So uh, Stigwood really just trampled over <laughs> so much. Pretty sure Robin film. Johnson. She lives in California now, and she, um, I believe, she writes a lot of poetry. Um, and I believe she goes to a lot of uh, signings for her for her poetry, and I believe she goes to festivals and. Some people recognize her, you know. For the most part, I think a lot of people don't. But well, good for her. I think that's what she's doing now. From what yeah, I read, good for her. Yeah, yeah. It, it's you know the industry like you know chews people up. It's horrible. Um, uh, the a lot of this information or some of this information is on the DVD audio commentary, which I've not been privileged enough to listen to, but I've read some excerpts of it. Uh, supposedly it's very interesting, although it's, it's one of those audio commentaries where there's a lot of gaps because they stop talking because they're watching the film. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, you know, one of those things. Sure. Uh, but some of the stuff comes up on the audio commentary. Uh, I mean... And Robin I mean, Johnson it's, it's a... and the director, Alan Moyle, they, they do it, right? The commentary? Uh, yeah, and I believe, I, I think uh, Robin Johnson's on the audio commentary as well. I just said that. Yeah. Then you're right. Um, now, as far as the quality of the film being a bad, you know, again, movie sucktastic. Uh-huh. I was the first five minutes of this film. I'm ready to hate it because the, oh, really? the, the the well, the opening credits were that kind of like, oh, I get it. They look like marquee letters. I hate you already. Uh, <laughs> again, the mon the the montage of you know the side shots of the street of these very clean looking extras pretending to be like <laughs> hooligans on the street. And then we, we follow Nikki to where she goes into an alley and starts playing her guitar. And I'm thinking, you know, I'm almost positive that if you play that on the street corner, people throw money at you. <laughs> Why are you doing it in an alley? Because she's not and about that, man. Yeah. And, and then there's the whole thing where like somebody complains about it, so she starts smashing You know who that is, right? Bar. Who? That's Elizabeth Pina. Who? Elizabeth Pina. Yeah, she, she was in so, Batteries Not Included, Jacob's Ladder. When I say who, and you repeat the name, that doesn't I'm giving you movies that she was in instead. Now you are. After you said who. Yeah, yeah exactly. Okay. Um, that she, she's probably, uh, I would say, most notable for Jacob's Ladder. She played the girlfriend. Okay. She was the one that yeah. got in the dance scene, you know, with the horn. and through Oh, the, yeah. yeah. That's her. That, she just yeah. passed away just two three months ago so when i when i saw her in the film and she's like 17 18 years old i'm like holy shit so i didn't recognize her yeah no i immediately recognized her but yeah no she's in the hallway she's playing and she's telling her she's playing shit and like you said she started smashing up uh the car so i'm playing like shit and this is the owner's and this is the owner's uh yeah you're playing like shit oh i'm playing shit huh yes we've been through this you're playing shit 
She's just yeah. like keeps uh, letting her know that she's playing shit. Yeah, I mean, and, and again, I think the only thing that really endeared me to the film, it was uh, uh, honestly, I'll be honest. The only thing that really endears me to the film is the uh, is the screenplay's not bad. Right. Uh, and considering what they had to battle with the producer, I'm surprised it's not worse. Um, but you can see elements of the screenwriter knowing what they wanted. The screenwriters, writers, because Alan Moyle was uh, wrote it with uh, Jacob Brackman. Uh, you can see what they're trying to do. But mainly it's uh, Robin Robin Johnson's acting that really, I mean, she sells it. You really is, feel for This it. is her first film, too, so. Yes. Fuck yeah. And, might as well have been her last at that point. I, I mean, read with, that with, um, she she lived she lived in Brooklyn. That's where she you know hailed from, and she was at her school or at a school, and she was just messing around outside having a cigarette, and somebody noticed her uh, that was on the you know the production the the, the making of this film. We're trying to get cast together, um, possibly even a casting director. Uh, they noticed her, and they, yeah, and they said, "Listen, here's my card. Mm-hmm. You should come, and you should read for this part. We're making a movie. It's called Times Square. It's, we're filming it here, which they did. They filmed it entirely in New York City. Um, and she forgot about it. She took the card. What? What? What Nothing, is it? Nothing. Go. Keep going. What, what is keep this? Keep going. What? No, keep going. I, I can't keep tell going. a story, but you can. Is that what you're telling no, me? No, no. I. It, it could have been a little shorter in that section, but keep going now. You know, I didn't say anything. Go. She forgot about it. Yeah, moving on. <laughs> Drink and less wait, when rem- we do the show. <laughs> and then, and then she, and then she remembered it, right? She remembered she had this card and decided, "Fuck you!" Like for real. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, man. Anyway. Anyway. So, yeah, she uh, she remembered she had the card and got the part. So, you want to talk about, uh, are we at the point where we review this? Uh, well, I, I wanted to mention briefly and, and get your opinion on it. Uh, the whole idea is one of the things that the producer uh, ended up doing when he took over director- directorial control of the film was eliminating all of the scenes, and I, I have a note here about a how hour in, and I'm sure you agree with me. I wrote down over an hour into this film, and the complete lack of any lesbian overtones is becoming increasingly frustrating. Well, I mean, yeah, these two these two young girls living together, running away, and I, and one of them <clears throat> is very manly, and I was like, okay, come on, there's got to be a manly. there's got to be a connection here. Well. But, yeah, uh... Yeah, the whole time I'm I'm watching the film, you do get the sense that they're going to fall in love, or they, they just have this strong connection. They they really push that. Yeah. So and now, it it's it it would be it would be false to say, and, and I've seen it happen with with reviews of action films and other films. It's it's kind of false to say with any film where you have two characters of the same sex that that form a deep bond of saying, oh yeah, that means they're gay. No, obviously not. But when you look at the history of the film, 
the film was made originally with that in mind and scenes were shot. There are lesbian scenes that were shot for the film where they do become romantically involved. And it was a part of the movie intentionally. And, and you that can was see that during, filmed and then cut? Filmed and cut by the producer who took over directorial control. Correct. Uh, okay. This is mentioned. Uh, this is confirmed on the DVD by the director Whoa. that they did make these scenes. That was a part of the movie. Uh, and certain, there are a lot of shadows, if you will, that are left over from these scenes being cut from the film. So there's no actual mention or even hint, at least intentional hint, of, okay, this is a lesbian affair here to an extent. However, I mean, just look at the soundtrack alone. The rock hard is like their main theme. Uh, you've got uh, You Can't Hurry Love when they first get together. I mean, like, really, the, the music, the soundtrack's pushing it. Right. Then, as we mentioned before, they're entered into uh, an institution because of some vague mental problem. Saying, like, oh, gee, what, what's, what are the neurological, what are they trying to solve for them? And, and if you know anything about uh, homosexual deprogramming and that kind of shit, during this time period, and this is, this is like before homosexuality was even close to being acknowledged by mainstream society as acceptable or good or okay, or even, you know, or even uh, natural, uh, you did have people that were, were institutionalized to, in, to one extent or another because of ho- showing signs of homosexuality. So you've got a, a conservative politician father whose daughter's acting out oddly, so we better get her to a doctor and find out what this is because it can't be that. Right. I mean, that that's right there is great. And there's just, you, you know, you, when you have the one uh, girl writing poems for the other one she, and she's watching her dance on the stage, there are all these scenes that kind of, they're, they're, you know, left over. They don't necessarily mean that, but in the context of what was there, you can really see it. And this film has, and I mentioned before, the two things that kept this film alive. One was the soundtrack because some of the songs were hard to find. The other was a strong uh, lesbian or LGBT uh worship or fan following of the film because of these uh lesbian overtones yeah and you could totally you're right you could see it in the film it's all throughout and i didn't know that they like you confirmed it i didn't know that they filmed scenes and then cut them but now that you say it you can Mm -hmm. i bet i can rewatch this and go oh i bet that scene was longer or oh that definitely looks you know like it was cut short uh, and it's a it's a tricky yeah, from a film theory standpoint, it's a tricky it's a tricky thing to balance because technically, if they cut all that stuff out of the film, technically the film is not meant to mean that. Right. Right. But and I tell but I tell you, look at it from the stance that they're, they're a lesbian couple or that they have lesbian uh, you know homos- homosexual attraction to one another, and you can go back and go, oh yeah, that makes sense now. I can do the same thing with something that was not intended, and you can still infer it from the film. Sure. Just to prove how kind of flawed it is to look at a film in this way and, and how our perceptions really change art. I'll tell you the same thing, but for something that was not intended, I will I will argue that one of the reasons that Pammy flees is because of a sexual relationship incestual with her father. No. Well, you and know everything what? From her, <laughs> every, everything Wait. from her quiet and meek demeanor to the father watching her at the strip club and not stopping her, uh, I arrest my case. Yeah, I was just going to say, he has that... <laughs> He, he just has that, oh, yeah, look on his face when he sees her. He just, he yeah. looks like he's had one too many drinks, and that's usually how it starts <laughs> when they're home together. <laughs> yeah, but, exactly. Yeah, no, it's so you, uh, it's good eye, good eye. And, and well, uh, another thing in the film that's left over that you can kind of catch 
is uh, the as far as like theme of the film or subtext, the, what the father's trying to do is he's spearheading this movement to uh, uh, gentrify, or in this case, the renaissance of m- taking the X-rated part out of Times Square, removing the sex out of Times Square. So what does a father who is afraid of her daughter's budding sexuality want to do? He, he's, he's not even want, trying to combat it. He just wants to remove sexuality entirely from the environment right. so he doesn't have to deal with it. should have just moved to Jersey. but Well, that would have helped, yeah. yeah. But, but, so, but you see where, like, the subtext of even what he's trying to do to the New York... He's trying to do the same thing to New York Times, uh, Times Square, that he's trying to do to his daughter. And remove any any semblance of sexuality to avoid that kind of un, un, uncomfortable feeling. And ironically, thirty five years later, that's exactly how Times Square is now. Yeah, well, it, they just, want well. Giuliani hammered that fucking final nail in. Yeah, I mean, it's a total tourist attraction now. I mean, if you go there, I mean, if you're a tourist and you come here, yeah, you're going to go there. But if you live in the city or even on the, you know, in New Jersey, for the most part. You avoid, you walk around Times Square. You don't go into that general area in the middle. You just, you don't. You avoid it. Um, There's so many better places in New York City than Times Square. One more point I'm going to make on the whole uh, queer cinema thing. Okay. Is, uh, you met, we, we were talking about, uh, you mentioned the awkward scene where uh, Johnny LaGuardia <laughs> goes with a bottle of vodka to the underage girl's yeah. uh, hideaway. Now, you got to ask yourself, his character is a little bit illogical in the sense that he's a DJ. Yeah, he reads these letters and stuff, and he's he's connected to the young, the youth, the rebellious youth of the city. Great. But why does he go out of his way to shelter and protect these kids, not just from like their parents, but from the, the authorities time and time again, even risking his career to do it? Why would he do that? If you go back to the gay element, and say, just suppose, and I don't know if this was intentional in the screenplay or the original cut of the film, what if Johnny LaGuardia is gay and he experienced in his youth the same kind of oppression or suppression that these young girls are experiencing and are running away from? Suddenly there's a different bond between them. He's not just helping these young kids break out. He's helping them escape this kind of sexual repression from this overwhelming uh, uh, conservative uh, blanketing of everything and this is why he's so antagonistic towards the father and what this is why he's willing to go out of his way and this is why he doesn't think it's weird to go to a young girl's uh hideaway yeah, with, with a, a bottle, bottle of vodka, of vodka. In the night. i'm gonna help suddenly you drown your more, sorrows baby <laughs> yeah suddenly it's a little more innocent and less creepy yeah <laughs> and it works and it works on a whole different level once you take that in consideration and inject the the gay uh the gay level uh, angle of the film back into it. So I, I found the film fascinating just going over and over this aspect of it again and again. Uh, but I'm wacky that way. I should go and listen to the audio commentary. Now. I need, yeah, I need to get that. I don't have it. I, I my copy does not have. I the mean, audio this film was hard to find. To be, I mean, I watched it oh. off of YouTube. Uh, you know, yeah, I mean, that's the only way I could find it. I couldn't find it anywhere else. Uh, so we, we, I guess I guess we got to scour the library system for an, uh, a DVD rental. I eh? I think Netflix Could, has do it for it. rental. Couldn't do it. They really? didn't have it. Yeah, eighty buildings. Did Nobody ne- had it. Did Netflix have it? Um, I want to say no. I'll double check because if it is, I can get a copy of that. I know somebody that has Netflix. If you can get a copy. Go ahead and rip it. Share it. But, with uh, me. That'd be great. But I mean, but you know, uh, 
Also, I just want to add, I think the ending would be better if the cops shot, shot uh, Nikki down uh, at the end when she was on top of the building in Times Square. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah, they can waste me, but they can't waste all of you. Bam, 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 bam. Ah, that uh, yeah, we can. Yeah, we got we got enough bullets for everybody. Eighties <laughs> New York, you bet your ass we can. That's right. You could just see them in the fucking riot gear, ready to go. <laughs> Who are you gonna call? Oh, a different movie. <laughs> all right, we should go ahead and rate this. Uh, yes, sir. Now, uh, after you. All right. Um, I I enjoyed the film. Um, I always did, even even when I caught it in my uh, younger days. Um, I don't know if I'd go as high as a seven, though. I think well, I'd go. I think I, I think I'd go six. Currently on IMDb, which I, I thought that you would lead out with. Uh, currently on IMDb, it's at six point seven. That is high. Uh, with only eight hundred and eighty-one votes. Well, that's not a lot. Not a lot. Um, I agree with you. It doesn't deserve a seven. Not, and, and again, most likely because of the interference of the producer, who uh, right. you know was just trying to secure musical royalties, in my opinion. Uh, but I, I think there's enough in the screenplay and in uh, the performances, or at least in Den- uh, uh, Dennis John- Denise Johnson. Wow. Robbie Johnson. Wow. Denise. Who do you mean, Robbie. Denise? You think of Robbie, Robbie fucking John. Benson? Holy shit! Robbie man. Benson, I told you, Robbie Benson, just like very. Uh, Gino thought I said sex instead of six. Me and my family, we're we're looking, oh, we got, we're looking we for sex. We, shit, we have a chat going on. I had it open. I wasn't even looking at it. What are you doing, man? I have to go. I I'm I'm off my game. People I'm are sorry. asking if I'm okay because you were so fucking rude. <laughs> I was not rude. <laughs> I was just like just just shorten it a bit, Joey. Why should I have to shorten up? anything? No, it's just again. I'm a writer, and I'm editing in my head. And while you're just building up, I'm that's like, not what uh, this show is. That's not what it I is. I know, I know. But it's just after you know, you're just just needless information. And I'm just like, just tighten it, just tighten it. Just, just tighten. It. I'm all that's about so... tight. Believe me. But... I know, I know, Joey. <laughs> I know. But uh, yeah, just don't worry about it so much. Oh man, I missed a lot of chatting in here. I'm sorry, yeah. people. I would have commented more, but I got a lot of pots boiling here. So, uh huh. And as you Scott can hear from my voice, I mean, was... fucking allergies. It's like fucking allergies, man. I never had allergies yeah, I... before. Apparently, you can just get them. Uh, I learned I... that as as you get older, you can just develop allergies. So, like fuck, fucking pollen everywhere. My eyes are itchy. My throat is all scratchy. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> Scott is mocking you, Joey. Are you going to take that? Oh, don't worry. I know where he <laughs> lives. <laughs> I know where you live. Oh, thank everybody that's in in the uh, chat room now, guys. I apologize, but thank you for being there. I'm going to definitely look back at this. Uh, I should have been commenting more during it, but I got honestly. I hate this. It's weird. I got wrapped up in just the uh, the the film theory aspect of this film. There's a lot of layers to it and that's why i would i no lower than a six i would say no definitely six i'm good with six all right we'll give it a six yeah and uh just a quick look at the voting scale and uh, we don't have a a cult film horseshoe here uh the the highest ratings are at 10 maybe because the the low turnout for voting 
Um, the highest rating is a 10 at 23%. So we're actually not in the majority with a 6 okay. or even a 7 if we had done. Uh, the demographics are skewed. Obviously, with a film like this, this was not ma- this film was not made for you and I, Joey. This was made for young girls. Oh. Uh, so the the highest demographic is seven point five with females age eighteen to twenty nine. Wow. The low and the lowest demographic is six point one for males aged forty five and older. <laughs> I don't get it. Why don't you just make out and stop the film? What the hell? He should have taken his daughter home, and that was it. Milk and cookies, and then go to fucking bed. All right. I'm, I'm going to make up for this now by answering a question put in our chat room. Okay. Should this film be remade? Um, I say yes. We we did have a thing uh, where we always talk about how if you're going to remake a movie, remake a movie that deserves it or a bad movie. Um, well, yeah, I, I can see this being remade. The well, only I, problem I is they'll fuck it up. It'll be put, no, well, it'll be beautiful people. It'll I, have modern music. And it'll it'll be too uh, cotton candy. You, I, I think I almost disagree. I one of my main things is if you're going to remake a film, remake a film that was either didn't have the budget or was done incorrectly. This is a film that was done incorrectly because it was taken away from the director. I think if they remade this today, what would really make a great remake is that they remade it, inserted the gay angle, really drove it home. And in this day and age, I think it's more than possible, and make the seedy underbelly of of Manhattan as seedy as it was and well, as dangerous as it was and I think they can do that. I don't I don't think it would be like the the uh the nineteen seventies that we saw in uh um, well, let's put it this way. How about this then? Yeah. Change the locale. Make it Detroit or something. That place is a shithole. No. no no it's gotta be Times Square. Gotta be Times Square. Well That's the name of the movie. I know it's the name of the movie, but it doesn't have to be the same name. It does. It does. Then it's not a remake. Then you're just stealing the concept. You have to. Re- if you're going to remake a film called Man- uh, Times Square, you've got to remake it in Times Square. Well, That's what it's you're doing. not going to work in Times Square now. Times but, Square is too much of a tourist attraction. It's too glitzy. It's too poppy. They, they, There's fucking CD, MTV they, they, is there. They'll film it in Canada. <laughs> so or they'll CGI film it in. in the, maybe they'll just film it in Detroit and call it. Alright, we're back. Motherfucker. Hey! Hey, oh, Gabagool. I've been keeping our, uh, the crowd entertained in the chat window while waiting for you to reboot the computer. Word. Can, can, I, can I assume that this means that we will be going with Ustream next episode? Fuck yes. <laughs> um, I, I am I, done. I, I am fucking well, done with live stream. Well, Done. What was the what was the last thing you heard me say? The last thing we were talking about was um we were talking about remaking the film and I said maybe they'll call it Times Square but they'll film it in Detroit because Detroit's a big shithole. And I lost my shit on that suggestion. Well, you lost your shit on the film just not taking place in Times Square anymore and I said Right. Times Square is a uh, it's a fucking um <clears throat> But tourist Detroit. tourist Detroit. area. Well, I think what you were saying is just to make it look like old New York. You know, exactly. the way it used to look. And I think that's too expensive. I think they do have to film it somewhere else entirely. So So um so we're wrapping up. We are wrapping up. 
Now, during our uh, unscheduled intermission, uh, one of our longtime listeners, Gino, uh-huh. has asked if he could call in, and I told him it's probably too late in the show to call in now. Uh, but he has an announcement that is probably film-related, and I told him that he could call in next uh, next episode. Okay. That sounds great. So we will great. schedule that with him. We'll have Gino in with a special announcement uh, that we will be uh, uh, breaking news on Movie Sucktastic next episode. Tune cool. in. Very cool. And, Looking uh, forward to that. Uh, and before we wrap up, I want to I want to share uh, one thing with you. Um, uh, no, we we need a movie review for next episode. Now, oh yeah, was do, there? Do you got a challenge for me? Well, I, I thought I had a challenge, but didn't we have to do something else? Um, no, this was it. Okay, I'm challenging you to. I, I'm going to cut the chase. I'm challenging you to Death Wish. <laughs> All right. So the connection is obviously New York. Yeah, that could be a connection. Yeah. What else could it be? <laughs> A young teenage girl that doesn't talk much. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, I, 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 I'm challenging you the death wish, partly because it's a connection to this film, and partly because I just revisited it recently. And I'm going to say one thing to you, and one yeah. thing to you only. Right. And you have a week to figure out what I'm talking about. Ready? I and kill rich cunts. No. <laughs> say that again. I love you. Do that. I love. Uh, yeah, I love. <laughs> I mean, I can't deny that I don't. I kill rich cunts! <laughs> I have one direct reference to Death Wish the movie, and I want to see if you can figure it out before we sh- show next week. Ready? And that's, that's in correlate. Okay, go ahead. The reference, this is a direct reference in the film. This is, you will. Clown Hammer. Clown Hammer. Okay. Clown Hammer. Okay, I'll have to. Uh, yeah, I'll have to look at that. Clown yeah, Hammer. Death Wish next episode. Okay. Um, and uh, I, I think that's roughly it. Uh, uh, anything else? I, I I told our our chat room audience if they had any final words they wanted us to uh, bequeath that we would do it. Uh, well, it was revealed um, recently that, and you didn't know I did. Uh, someone had mentioned that they had just seen Jim Cotta, and you said, "Oh yeah, we reviewed that." I can't remember what episode, and I said, "Well, it's because we never reviewed it." <laughs> that has to happen real soon. Yeah. Yeah. We we I thought you were just going to re- you know challenge me to Jim Cotta, even though it had nothing to do with Times Square. Death Wish, Death Wish, specifically because of Clown Hammer. Clown, you know, Clown Hammer might yes. be able to find a tie-in somehow into Jim Cotta. I, possibly. Um, I'll do and my also, best. I just want to mention briefly two requests that were made in our chat room were to review Remo Williams' The Adventure Begins. Yeah, another, I mean, that's I could do that just on a New York reference right there. So Yeah, and another film that was recommended was the film Old Enough, uh, which is another uh, Young Runaways, but this one's Two Boys. Okay. From 1983, I believe. I think I remember that. I don't, so uh, that was new. 84, 84. Okay. Uh, so those are... Uh, no, it is two girls. I thought it was boys by the way they looked on the um, uh, movie poster. Old enough. It Old sounds enough. It two so girls. familiar. Uh, but, um, yeah, those are, again, keep those movie requests coming. If, if we get tired of our challenges, we'll just dive into uh, the requests you're throwing out there. Okay. They're, all, they're all good suggestions. Very cool. All right, everybody. Thank you for joining us for episode 170 of Movie Sucktastic. The music is coming to a halt so I'll speed this up 
Uh, you can go to our website at moviesucktastic.com. It is completely fucking brand new. I redid the whole thing. It is very easy to navigate. It is very nice, if I do say so myself. You could do everything from the site. Listen to the show live, download the show, watch live stream. It's all there in one nice tidy package. Plus, everything else that we do, like our YouTube channel, Tumblr, Stitcher, it's all there. Uh, You can go to iTunes, also on the website. You can link to there. You can download the show. You can listen to it there, however you want to do it. You can go to our Tumblr page at moviesucktastic.tumblr.com. You can go to our Facebook page at facebook.com slash moviesucktastic. Leave us voicemail, 908-514-4470. Email us. The address is themovieguys at moviesucktastic.com. And, uh, yeah, that's... Oh, download the free app for your Android or a phone or tablet. That's also free. Um, <clears throat> everything I just mentioned that you can do, you can do it right from the app. If you don't have it already, get it. And that should do it. So what say you, Scott? You got any wisdom? Ah, young lesbian. Yeah, okay. <laughs> sure. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Bye-bye. Bye. See ya. Oh, yeah. Motherfucker. <laughs> Kike. Fa- favorite part. Favorite. Best-